Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Before he was a producer-songwriter extraordinaire, Butch Walker was the lead singer of the pop-rock band Marvelous 3. In 1998, the debut single off their second album hit number 5 on the alternative rock charts before the band broke up and Butch pursued his current career path. We are joined by Joe Robinson of Cassettes to revisit Marvelous 3's Freak of the Week and determine if Butch Walker is one-hit thunder or if he should have stopped it before he began. Chris. Hey, Joe, you're here to talk about Marvelous 3. <laughs> I am very, very excited to talk about and, Marvelous 3. And we're restarting the episode because I accidentally called you a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I was I was, and, uh, I was very, I was taken aback because the last time and, I played drums, uh, it didn't end well for anybody. <laughs> okay, well, 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 we're fellow bassists, so yeah. we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about Butch Walker and Marvelous 3, who I guess, d- did you like this song when it first came out in 1998? To be honest, uh, so I sort of remembered this song. Like, people would reference it every once in a while. And honestly, until I listened to it maybe like two years ago, I really didn't remember it. But since then, I mean, I've been listening to it. And I'm like, this is this is like a really good song. Okay, good, because I don't feel so bad now. Because... I did not know this song whatsoever in 1998. Granted, in in 1998, I was probably only listening exclusively to third wave ska music. So (laughs) so this this was really out of my wheelhouse. And honestly, this this might be the opposite of that, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, listening to this song for this episode, it sounded familiar to me, but I didn't really know it well i think like one of the problems with it is it doesn't have going for it is it sounds like a 90s 90s ass 90s song yeah it's it's definitely if i had heard this at the time which i may have in passing heard it but there's no way i would have liked this i was so you know aside i joke jokingly say ska but i was really into ska but if it wasn't something from fat records or epitaph or lookout or something at that era i just wanted nothing to do with it i was so exclusively into like that style of punk rock whereas this does have that 
sort of influence, but I this was just way out of my realm, even though the music was somewhat similar when you listen to this song. No, yeah, and honestly, I mean, like, pretty much the same for me, except if you replace uh, Ska with, like, Slipknot. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of where my head was at. Nice. Yeah, this was, uh, I don't know, going back, so why I returned to this song is actually because of one of the band members who has gone on to have a really good solo career. And I was like, oh, I'll go listen to, like, you know, he talks about this in some of his solo songs about having this, like, one-hit wonder kind of thing. He even calls himself a one-hit wonder. So I was like, oh, I'll go back and listen to it. So that's like really why I listened to it. And legitimately, as soon as you guys uh, had the idea for this podcast, this is the first song that I pitched to Matt, your partner, to to get on the podcast, honestly. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad you did because it made me check it out. Obviously, if we're going to work backwards from now, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know this, Butch Walker, probably one of the most popular producers and most well-known especially like in the world of music that punchline and cassettes are kind of grouped into uh butch walker like he just produced the new green day album uh he's produced taylor swift and tons of other stuff if you look at Mm -hmm. his his resume it's very impressive so to call him to call him a one-hit wonder is actually laughable but (laughs) but marvelous three which actually wasn't his first band but his first band that i think anyone really knew about yeah uh, he was in a glam rock band called south gang which i don't know at all oh but apparently they had a single that was on headbangers ball on mtv at some point but yeah tainted angel <laughs> i listened to oh, that <laughs> listen <laughs> reading you up on this, this i listened to that one <laughs> okay all right well that's cool uh i didn't know that song despite the fact that i would tape headbangers ball and 120 minutes uh every week to make sure but i don't remember that one i'm glad that you picked this because it made me check out some marvelous three and to be honest like it's pretty good like it you know it reminds me it reminds me of the state you know the stereo no i don't know the stereo no great band great fueled by ramen band from back in the day uh jamie wolford who then went on to be in the band Let Go and done tons of other stuff. He produced a couple of Punchline albums. Oh, very cool. Very, very awesome dude. But that was his band. And it it kind of puts me in this. I, I like the stereo a little bit more, but kind of puts me in that same sort of vein. I don't know. Like, I haven't really dove into Butch Walker's solo stuff too much, but it seems like maybe you are a big fan. Is that right? I'm I'm deep in Butch Walker territory right now he's like kind of i feel like he is my spirit animal he is legitimately like i don't know i i only discovered him maybe three or four years ago but i've seen him live a couple times since then i've bought all of his records he's like he is like my dude for sure uh it seems like and it seems like people that like butch walker really like butch walker i know that a, a lot of times and I don't know that, and I'm not dragging Butch Walker here, <laughs> but I think the thing that maybe holds me back, and maybe you can correct me or point me in the direction of a few songs, sure. is just kind of like this Freak of the Week song. It's so close to being something I would really like, minus the lyrics. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah. So that's what that's what pulls me in is the lyrics and i feel like he writes cynical love songs okay which i can understand wouldn't be for everyone because there are definitely some 
now that you mentioned the lyrics, I was actually taking a listen to some Marvelous Three lyrics, some Butch, old Butch Walker lyrics, and I understand where you're coming from for sure. They haven't aged well for sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just when I'm looking, I I have the Freak of the Week lyrics right in front of me, and like mm-hmm. the first verse, I spend a lot on all the clothes that I got because all the geeks that I meet, they all look cooler than me. But what to do when they're all looking at you because you're the freak of the week because you're on the TV. This just, this, <laughs> these lyrics don't really speak to me uh, personally, but it's really catchy at the same time. It is very sugary, catchy. I do love the chorus. The chorus is great. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking at those lyrics, something that, so I don't like those lyrics either, but when you look at the end lyrics, there's uh, at the end, they're, they're saying, um tell me i sold out tell me i sold out go ahead i think they were like this is going to be a hit song we're going to you know we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket throw as sugary pop lyrics as possible to get uh you know to get this over and that's just what this song is going to be you know it's not this doesn't have to be uh something that is deep you know Right. And it's funny, like this song's from 1998. That is like right in the heart of people calling bands and artists sellouts. I felt like that was like (laughs) that was like such a such a popular thing to accuse people of and to say at that time to call people sellouts. I mean, Real Big Fish really capitalized on the fact that people said that so much. (laughs) And I feel like I was guilty of that, too, because I was a teenage dude that liked punk music so yeah, like of yeah, course yeah. of course that was a very common thing and now i don't feel like i hear that as much uh and i don't know if people even pay attention to that but that was that was an important thing you didn't want to sell out at the time and i feel like people would falsely would would improperly use that because i do think it's a legitimate thing to say and i would a couple artists pop right into my mind of people that straight up would get some momentum and popularity based on their music. And then once they achieve that, would just completely change their style to exactly what was popular. And that's what I would define as selling out. But if you can get popular and then release more music, but not, but still stay true to yourself and your, your honest music, I don't think that's selling out. Even if you signed to a big record label or if you achieve massive success so i think at the time though in my my teenage years i would use that pretty loosely yeah and and honestly i think the sellout term is really it's something it's funny that you say you know it went away i think that went away with a little bit more um a view into people's lives. So like with the rise of social media and more accessibility to people, I think people really stopped, stopped using the term sellout. Cause I mean, Chris, you've been in a band for what, like 25 years from like that. Yep. Pushing. <laughs> so uh, I've been in band, bands for, you know, 15, 20 years or something like that. I would give anything to be able to just make enough money to just play music all the time. Right. So I totally understand if someone is chasing that next hit single, chasing, chasing that song and that's going to sell a million copies because that's how they make their money, you know? Right. And if you really respect it for me, if I really respect an artist, part of that is I want them to be able to do their art. Right. So I was like right there along with you calling people sellouts back in the day. And now 
I feel like that's kind of diminished a little bit for me because I want people to be able to make their art. And I know to do that, you have to make money. It's just like how it is. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it just comes down to if if that song that you're being accused of being a sellout is good or not, <laughs> that, that's the, the main thing, you know? And I, and of course that's a subjective thing, whether it's good or not, it's silly to think about. And the only thing I would say is, okay, you and I are uh, both play music. So we both, I agree with what you're saying. Like we both can look at things like that, but if you're not an artist and you're just a listener, you don't owe shit to anybody <laughs> you know like like if, if i you really don't you you listen yeah. and if somebody does something you don't like you don't have to listen to them anymore so it's it's definitely it's definitely a fine line you know uh i don't expect everyone to just be like you know listen to the logic that you and i are spitting here about uh, selling out or not selling out but that's that's a whole other that's a whole other topic that could be a whole podcast as far as this Marvelous three song. I one thing we always like to look at is to compare it to what, what exactly was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt always does a good job of supplying me with uh, this information. But at the time where Freak of the Week was at its peak on the charts, which it wasn't like a number one hit song, but it it peaked at number five on the Billboard Alternative charts. So in in actuality, it's a pretty minor hit, <laughs> uh, but definitely their biggest song. But spent spent 20 weeks on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, which is definitely cool, but definitely not. It wasn't like top in the it wasn't number one on the Casey Kasem uh, countdown or anything Mm. to compare it to what else was going on in music at the time. So if it it peaked at number five on the Billboard alternative charts that week, number four was Creed with the song one. So, (laughs) you know, compared to that, it's like fucking bohemian rhapsody or something you know like uh and i don't even know uh, that's a little bit unfair of me to say because i don't even know what song one is but i i just you know i i don't know how you feel but i think creed's one of the worst things to ever happen to music it's almost they're almost too easy of a target i know that's like talking shit on nickelback or whatever but like it's just very bad music (laughs) yeah but hilarious to follow nowadays like i think that dude i think the main singer from creed is like a meth head in florida or something now (laughs) oh oh punchline actually played a show i think it was in milwaukee milwaukee yes yes uh the it's it's algonquin for the good land i believe (laughs) uh we played downstairs at this club in like the smaller room and upstairs scott stapp was playing and yeah and apparently we were too loud downstairs so (laughs) so they so his like uh sound guy came down and asked us to turn down and we did and to thank us for doing that they gave us a bunch of double extra large scott stapp tour (laughs) t-shirts that was that was the reward um did you wait did you get to meet scott stapp though no no we did not but yeah, I mean, yeah, Scott Stapp's a pretty funny figure, regardless of uh, Creed's music. And I I can't really talk too much shit because they did sell probably a billion albums. So. <laughs> yeah, that dude never actually has to work again. Right, jokes on me. Uh, but I, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here making a podcast talking shit on him, and he's uh, you know, never having to worry about anything ever. <laughs> Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. 
I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Moving along, number three that week was Hole Malibu, which all right, Hole Hole's pretty cool. Hole has a couple couple songs I like. I know I know that uh, Courtney Love that that's a that's a pretty polarizing controversial figure, but, figure for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I will admit that there's a few, couple Hole songs that are serious jams. Number two, Everlast, what it's like. I could that do was without. a jam. That was a jam. You like that one? Day. Yeah. I could I could do without that one. <laughs> I could do without that one, but uh but it yeah, it's a good song. It's objectively a pretty good song. And number one was Sugar Ray every morning at that time. So in comparison to what was going on, I would have liked for Freak of the Week to have been popular enough for me to at least have known what it was at the time. <laughs> yeah, make an impact. <laughs> yeah, because in comparison to what was going on, uh it was definitely pretty cool yeah it's a very very pop song like uh i was actually so i was listening to it this morning and uh i was actually very surprised at how fast they get into the verse it's like 10 seconds for them to get into the verse and then before the 30 second mark they're already into that rocking chorus right hey that's and you know that's probably uh by design and i think that's really smart and probably what you know a little precursor to Butch Walker being able to pump out the hits for other artists. Cause obviously the dude knew what he was doing, uh, 20 plus years ago. Yeah. 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'm looking, I'm looking at what else, what else you, you seem to be the expert about Butch Walker here. Uh, so, anything else so, yeah. inter- interesting, uh, in the Butch Walker world that I should know about. Yeah, so after basically after Marvelous Three broke up, and first of all, could I? Do you mind if I? I found this thing. Do you mind if I read this? Yeah. Um, so uh, they had a uh, a very public breakup with their record label at the time, um, and this is what they put on their website in 2001, uh, which is what right after they released their last album. Uh, there's been an incredible amount of lack of interest for the band over at Electra. Cough, ahem, neglectra. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> Records lately, uh, and that comes as no surprise, seeing that every record they put out most recently sinks like a dead anchored body in the Hudson River. Well, the time has come. We are free from Electra. I asked them to let us go, and they did. We did not get dropped. I asked to leave. All caps. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's bold, but... I, I he backed it up you know that's like that's like quitting your job and then you know being super successful after it i guess uh, yeah but i i wonder so i kind of wonder what um like what was going on there right so 
you look at you look at Butch Walker's career and some of the Marvelous Three guys' career because the Marvelous Three guys were in South Gang as well, which is that glam metal band that Butch Walker was in before. Right. So they went on and uh, formed another couple of bands, including Marvelous Three. And then eventually, um, Marvelous Three, you know, broke up with the record label. They broke up as well. Um, and reading some of this, like it, it feels like maybe they were tough to work with. <laughs> like maybe yeah. they were a challenge. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and no matter how. You know, I think we've all had that friend who's like very funny or very cool or like brings a lot to the table, but uh, you just like don't want to hang out with them sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I feel I feel like very strongly like that's what the Marvelous Three were like. Like they could they could probably pump out hits, uh, but you just like don't want to deal with them. <laughs> right. Uh, that makes sense. And I, you know, that's it's an interesting th- thing too because you know just in personal experience we've had our trials and tribulations with like record labels and things like that but i feel like we've always done a pretty decent job of like keeping that to ourselves because it a it seems to me like kind of lame to make that that kind of stuff public you know Absolutely. if someone if someone asks you about it it's like yeah sure but you could talk about it honestly a little bit but it but at the same time, like maybe people are interested in that kind of stuff and maybe a little bit of controversy and maybe, maybe Butch Walker knew what he was doing by doing that. I mean, Electra Records was definitely, uh, I mean, had such an insane roster, especially in the 90s. Like they were just at the forefront of the entire like signing of a million bands during the 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 rise of like the alternative music scene like electra yeah. was very much at the forefront of that and um so you know i don't think that like that that it would be that big of a deal to talk shit on <laughs> electra records this major huge label as it would be to talk shit on some like little independent label or something like that so yeah yeah pro- probably wasn't a big deal to anyone i guess <laughs> no um, probably not i mean just a couple a couple of uh, artists from Electra Records, ACDC, right? Uh, Anthrax. <laughs> um, uh, I remember that Ween Pure Guava came out on Electra. Uh, I mean, Electra is just it's still still today such a huge label. And, yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure that they've had their. You know, uh, that's that's also the risk you take with major labels. You know, that's. Uh, you know, you, it's very easy to get swept. I, could you imagine how many artists and bands that are really good that we probably just never heard stuff gets shelved and never, never heard, you know? Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially cause you know, um, those record labels are, I mean, you know, same as, you know, same as if you're a scrappy artist, you know, you got to make that money. If you're putting out a record from an alternative band and you have another alternative band's record that's about to come out, you don't want them competing against each other. You know, right. you're putting all that, you want to put all the money into marketing one of them and the one that you think is going to win, right? Right, right. So after after that, after The Marvelous Three, he then went on to write for Pink, Avril Lavigne, Fallout Boy, Weezer. He wrote hits for all of those bands. Uh, SR71, uh, he helped to write right now, that song. So did he straight up write songs for these bands? Like write the song? Or did he like co-write? 
So I think he co-writ a lot, um, which again is, you know, it's surprising to me because it seems like he was probably a challenge to work with uh, as an artist. Um, But I think he just went in and he just started co-writing with these bands and just really hit it off. And then from there, some of those bands started to ask him to produce albums. Like some of his earlier productions, I didn't even know about until I started researching, but it's like, bands albums that i really liked that album and not any of their other albums like he did midtown uh forget what you know that album which was that's that's like the only midtown record that i that i like from front to back uh he did nothing personal for all time low uh and then he did like a bunch of one-off songs for a lot of these bands like co-wrote and produced and engineered and threw keyboards on this and whatever yeah his resume is definitely impressive obviously butch walker is beloved and this marvelous three song is great it's great uh you know the lyrics don't do a lot for me but that chorus that chorus is great yeah Uh, it really sings um definitely has a cool voice definitely has done a lot of great shit and uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We we talk a lot about um, when we're doing these episodes. Will the artist listen to the podcast? Because like, you know, a lot of times if you're a one hit wonder, that one hit was 20 years ago, and then maybe you stopped being a band or an artist 18 years ago, and now it's like all of a sudden, oh, I'm the guy who wrote. Uh, um, <laughs> I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but uh, I'm gonna check out this episode of this podcast, but I don't think that Butch Walker is going to really going to be listening to this. Uh, uh, I think he's because, got better things to do. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a lot of stuff going on, but um, regardless, uh, Joe, it's been really cool talking to you about freak of the week. Um, and I'm glad that you could be my freak of the week this week. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's no problem, man. I, I love this song. Uh, I love, and I, love what butch walker has gone on to do even even more than his early work and and this marvelous three work so it's a pleasure to be able to come on talk about talk uh, turn this into butch walker cast for sure and then you know we we actually had matt on the podcast too but uh for anyone who's listening you should definitely check out cassettes uh awesome band you could just type them in just type them in i don't even have to really tell you but if you go on spotify apple music wherever you got to go cassettesforever.com there you go that's easy enough. Uh, hey, well, look, if this is a this is a good way to put it. If you want someone who's listening right now to listen to what would be your one hit wonder, if you had a one hit wonder, what song would it be? I'd throw them over to probably Born in the Nineties off yes. of the uh, off the cassettes album Wild Heart. Yep. That's the jam too. Thanks, man. Hell yeah, man. Uh yeah, Wild Wild Heart is the album. Um, the newest album came out last year. It's awesome, man. It's so good. And it's so funny Thanks that so when I, that when I had Matt on, we did Rick Springfield episode yes. that, that I seriously, not just saying that because I picked that, I hear a Rick Springfield influence in your music. And, uh, and I mean that as a, as a big time compliment, me and Matt already discussed it, but both really love Rick Springfield. Actually, Punchline even covered Rick Springfield before. Oh, no way. Uh, not, and not even Jesse's Girl. We covered Love is Alright Tonight, which is a somewhat deep cut, but made popular by 
the film Wet Hot American Summer. He's got so many bangers. Like it's wild that only people only know Jesse's Girl because he's got a lot of great great songs. Right. We we covered that, but I definitely hear that influence in songs like She Gets What She Wants, the first track mm-hmm. on Wild Heart. Like I I hear it and I love it. But uh yeah, man. Uh everyone should check out cassettes. Maybe we'll maybe we could play play a little bit of uh a track right here in the episode. That'll be up to that'll be up to Matt. Matt takes <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt takes you care. figure it out. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Uh but once again, thanks for coming on, man. I know you gotta you gotta get back to practice. You gotta run through that set again. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was great to be on. Uh, and Butch Walker, Marvelous Three, great songwriters, great song. Uh, you know, happy to happy to uh, apprise everyone of the deep, rich history and then the ongoing legacy of the Marvelous Three fellas. Hell yeah, man. Blonde hair, cherry lips, you move like I did. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. You can hear this week's guest, Joe's band, Cassettes, playing underneath me right now. Check out their music at cassettesforever.com. Punchline will be playing Anti-Fest on March 28th in Pittsburgh, featuring bands Anti-Flag, Suicide Machines, and many other great bands. Visit punchlion.com for tickets, as well as news, merch, and other upcoming tour dates. And let us know your thoughts on the episode by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll be back next week with another episode of One Hit Thunder. One look alive, five songs and whiskey eyes in this ordinary You're listening to the Geekscape Network. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!